the $500 billion uh, military machine of the United States could every so often need something, an enemy. So it right. may have produced a balloon or an other you know, UFO that they shot a $400,000 missile into to remind you that you need us. Right. And it's no. like, yeah. well, you, the answer is not definitely no. Right. That, that, that could be a thing that's happening. You don't know. So Yeah, I don't think we have remotely a clue what they're doing. Well, right. It's like the, the yeah, so, anyway. Okay. <laughs> great great intro to the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 66 of The Shetty Show, The Shivanetti Show. Today we have on a very special guest. He is the uh, owner of Champion Insurance Agency. Um, it is a uh, subsidiary of Allstate, correct? Yeah, I'm an Allstate agent. Allstate agent. Um, and he was our former chapter advisor. Current chapter advisor. Current oh, chapter, chapter advisor. advisor. Okay, still. Um, but yeah, his name is Nick Champion. Nick, thank you for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you and I go back to, along with all three of us technically, but you and I have a special relationship. So sure. Nick was really my first like office job I ever had was my sophomore year. I was 19, I remember this clearly, it was Tugs. And I had been applying everywhere and I just couldn't get a job. They just didn't want to hire me, I don't know why. So I went up to him and I was just like, I need a job, can you hire me? And he was like, yeah, sure, you need to do something for me first. I was like, okay, and it's pouring rain. You remember this, it's mm -hmm. pouring rain, right? So we're, we're all inside after Tugs and he was like, you gotta do something for me. Uh, we hop on a call at like 10 a.m. the next week and he gives me a list of things I need to do. I basically need to write this research report. And like I'm sitting at Barcima Hall on a Saturday. It's due the following Monday, right? And Nick was, you know, very serious. He gave me very clear instructions on what he wanted. I was like, I've never done this before. For a job interview? Okay. So I do it and he was like, okay, good. When do you want to start? <laughs> and that sparked... Probably one of the, I, I will say one thing to describe Nick Champion is you brought the absolute best out of me. And I have remembered the things that we're going to get into over this podcast, the, the, the small tidbit lessons that at the time that you literally said, you're like, you may hate me now, you're not going to in the future. And the small tidbit lessons that I took from my time as an intern under you and then as you know a mentee really, uh, after my internship have been, they've carried me obviously to where I am today. So I really don't think I would be anywhere where I'm at if it wasn't for you. So, uh, want to get into your story and <laughs> well, it, it, it's actually, um, so I, I, I did listen to the podcast, um, particularly even the last one. And so like one of the comments you guys made, I was like, we have a, we have a guy that some people love, you may not love him. And, um, <laughs> You know, so I, I put some thought about it. I was talking to my wife actually coming up on here, and I, I, I kind of said that you would say something similar like that because you, you had pulled, you had called me after you got your job, and, yep, uh, and yep. expressed that. And um, the thing I, I said to my wife, I said that it, it's, it's one. Anybody who truly knows me knows I don't have a hidden agenda. I don't have something I'm trying to do to manipulate you to do something else. So um, what you see is what you get. Um, and so it's hard to know in anything in leadership if you're doing the right thing until you look back. And so I think that's the that's the part where, you know, I feel a little bit misunderstood as sometimes so like do I push people who don't want to be pushed? Absolutely. Does that make me have 
a couple of your examples where people have come to me and said, hey, you've made a massive impact on my life. Absolutely. Does it also have a few examples where people say, I hate your guts? Yeah, it does. Um, and it's hard because it's like, you know, I know people get to your example in different ways and, and probably uh, more effective ways. I am who I am. I, I know what I know. Um, and so, you know, the approach gets modified as I go. But um, doing the best that I can to get there is like it's, it's hard. I guess if, if you're listening to this and you want to be a leader, it's like you have to you have to figure out what you want and like. You're going to make mistakes even with the best of intent. Right. Right. So I don't try to be a controversial person. It's just more or less I want to try to pull out the best in other people. And uh, what I'm doing is trying to do that. And again, sometimes has some mistakes. So No, and I think uh, we were going to get into this later in the podcast. So I think now is a good time. It's one of those things where, like you said, when I look back, it's in the moment you can't really objectively describe what is actually happening. And, the, and, and what I mean by that is, like you said, people could think that, you know, they don't like you for doing that, for bringing the best out of them. But it's not until after it's over that you're like, oh, that's what he was doing. Right. And, and, it, and it shouldn't be lost that sometimes I've pushed people to bring out the best in them and it hasn't. Right. Right. So like sometimes it doesn't work. Right. right? And even even if they want it to work, it doesn't work. Like there's been employees I have who I'm sure, you know, with some people I walk on water and some people I'm the devil incarnate. It's it, it's it's hard to say how effective it's going to be because it's got to be for the right person at the right time. But that's the thing I'm saying is like you don't always know. You know, there's people I've I've hired that, again, attribute me like to some of the greatest development they've ever had. And then some people who, again, say like, you know, oh, I'm not a great boss or whatever the case is. You just never know. Now, I do think that there's more people who have said reacted positively to it. But there are a few outliers and even, you know, five cap assigned members. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I, there's a there's an expression like I just posted the other day on my social media too is like your uh, other people's opinion of you is none of your business nor should you make it so I saw that yeah. um, it's a good reminder because again like I know who I am I know what I'm trying to do and again if you're a leader and you're trying to figure out what your voice is and what your um, style is it's it's hard to say what's perfect like you look at these people that you may consider great leaders um, and you're like oh man I want to be that it's like Along the way, until they got there, they probably had a few hiccups here and there. They pushed right. people where they didn't want to be pushed. Like one of my favorites, Jacko Willick. So yeah, you guys have love his Jacko. podcast. I'm if you, I was listening to one of his things the other day, and he's like, um, he almost got the entire platoon uh, in trouble because in the beginning, when basic training, they did like a survey of all the people. It's like, well, how's it going? Like, what's going on? And he said the brainwashing is really effective. <laughs> And he said the whole platoon got in trouble because of him and right. nobody because nobody knew who wrote it. So they all got in trouble. But he's like, it was me who wrote it. I was being a smart ass. And is like he's like, that's that's my character. It's like I don't really see him do that now. But along the way, he was doing things like that. But right? you mentioned that it's hard. That's the first thing you said is to know that you're doing it for the right reasons and, and you're doing it the right way. So at what point did you know? that it was right like at what point did you know because i'm sure you just mentioned that you know y there's tons of trials and tribulations so at what point along that journey did you know like okay this is the right frame of mind to go into challenges 
Sure. Well, it's I should say it's hard if you care about people. If you don't care about people, it's really easy, right? right? So if you you can just steamroll people, and and there's some people who are effective in that. In fact, again, one of the things, if uh, you recall, like especially in FISA, like I've even talked to you guys about prior leaders that we've had that would just steamroll people, and you're like, oh my god, this person's so effective at what they do, and it's like, hey. Um, that works for them or Steve Jobs. So if you don't know uh, our chapter and most of you probably don't, um, but um, Steve Jobs was known for that. He would just steamroll people and he was an asshole. Like, right. no, and so yeah. then there was this big wave of people who thought they should be an asshole because Steve Jobs was an asshole. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, that that's what a good leader is. And it was like this little period. So like one of the things I always like reminded you guys and it's like, listen, if that's effective for one person, understand that they're the exception, not the rules. Caring about people has to be centered to what you do. Right. So you're never going to it matters if it strongly matters in that. So how do you know you're doing the right thing? It's the values. Um, if you look at what I was having you do, it was, I want you to be accountable. I yep. want you to independently think, which is way lacking, especially in corporate America and most jobs and, mm. and this new generation. It's like, I, Hey, I'm not, if we've, if you have no reason that you would ever know the answer, I'll give you the answer. But if there's a reason you should know the answer, I'll say, okay, so is it the right thing to do? What are we trying to accomplish? Think about what you're trying to do. How does this help you get to the end? And I'll even ask you those questions and make you struggle a bit. And sometimes, you know, let's give me the effing answer. Like, yeah. I get it. But I'm doing the long approach so you learn how to think because I learned how to think. So how did I get to where I could see seven steps ahead and all that kind of stuff? It's, well, because people challenged me to think. Or they weren't there at all. And, and I had, had to. to develop it. So how do you know you're doing the right thing? Um, you just go down to values. I want you to be an independent thinker. I want you to be uh, accountable to your own actions. I want you to have a high standard for your own work, right? And not yeah. just do what the absolute minimum is to fulfill it. Like if this was your name, if this was on Timescore, if this was represents you, what would you want it to look like? So giving me a half-assed product that hits the minimum probably doesn't fulfill your actual potential. So I'll remind you of that. And push you on that and say, is this the best you can absolutely do? Some people flourish under that. Some people crumble. Yeah. No, 100%. And every, sorry, go ahead. And, and go, yeah, go ahead. I, I got a question after. Everything that you just said is, and is this, this is not just for me. I bet this is for most people who are number one in public accounting and number two who are in what I would describe as a challenging job, right? Mm hmm. Everything you just mentioned about independently thinking and asking the right questions and if it was your name on this uh, deliverable, whatever it may be, would you be proud of it? And if you produced half-assed product, does that fly? Everything you just said is exactly what I have to do now in order if I wanted to succeed. And so it's it's everything you just said, it's like when you think about it, I don't think many people until they get into a context where they have to produce quality work understand that really and i think that challenge that you have that you constantly gave me where it's like okay before you come to me and ask me what is it what's the answer right the ability to figure it out yourself is as i've noticed now being in an environment where people don't do that around me Right. And the people above me are asking for that. Right. From the people below. It's so like that is so valuable. And there's not enough. I think managers that whether whether it's managers in a corporate setting or, or ha just have people below them that challenge their employees to do that. 
Well, and the fun part about that is too, I've ruined your career now because now you know it's possible. <laughs> right. And so you get frustrated when you don't see it anymore. You're like, mm, come on. Like, it's more like, like I, get, I get more frustrated myself. That like, I look back at like, I could have done better at that. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it, at the end of the day, it's like, as long as you learn the lesson, it's however long it took you to learn the lesson is right. how long it took. So, um, but if you think about it too, in another context, um, like how old are you nowadays? I'm 23. Did you learn that lesson at 23? Some people don't learn it till they're 43. Yeah. Right? You're so ahead of the game. Now, if I learned it at 22, it doesn't really matter because in your context, you learned it at 23 because, like, right. you got no. the lesson. You got yeah, the lesson yeah, yeah, yeah. wicked early in your career. Yeah. It's the, it's the Gary Vee in you. <laughs> the, uh, the year 23 now, you, you have so much time. Yeah, that yeah, thing. yeah. Um, one of the things you mentioned, you said you had a bunch of leaders who developed you along the way. So I kind of wanted to ask you your personality before you became kind of the, I'm going to hold you accountable. Um, like, were you always the same person or do you feel like along the way you had leaders and other people who kind of instilled this in you and then you kind of morphed your personality to become that? So, that you are now. Yeah. So um, I always had high quality of work um, ever since uh, I can remember, you know, first, second grade. I got, you know, a 10 out of 12 on the spelling test. And my dad knew that I had some that was intelligent. And so he's more like, listen, mistakes happen. You can miss one. But if you missing two, that's a work ethic problem because he knew who I was, by the way. Right. Just so like, uh, yes, you know, academics has always come very easily to me. So the whole lesson there wasn't so much about perfection. It was more about living to your own standards. That was instilled to me from a very young age of work ethic and standards. And it doesn't matter what your friends do. It doesn't matter what your brother does. It matters what you do, what you're capable of. So that was instilled to me from my pa- from my dad mostly. But, you know, Talk my mom about too. being ahead of the game. <laughs> well, again, it's like that whole challenge, right? It's like if that's what you're capable of doing, then cool. If it's At what not, point did you appreciate that? Uh Pretty early on, um, okay. because like I would notice that like you know I, I, I took pride in my academics. I took pride in like what I could um, accomplish there. Um, yeah, I, I I think I would love to go back with my current mindset and when I'm playing basketball because I right. probably could have maximized that a little bit better. <laughs> right, but, right. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I, that's right. Uh, there's no scenario where I ever play college ball. Like you, <laughs> you know, people have seen me and I'm I'm a. a I'm 220 pounds now. I'm six foot uh, three, six foot four, depending on you know what measurement you want to use. Um, that requires talent, and also the the memory that in high school I was 70 pounds less than the same height, so I had no weight to throw around. Right. So <laughs> ridiculous um, amount of dedication as well, too, to the to uh, the craft. Right. Yeah. Again, I think I would have approached it differently with today's mindset, but that's you know 16 years yeah. later, and that's you know that's not fair. Not so, in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the other leaders. Um, I learned real quickly at about, you know, during my FISA years, but then quite frankly, especially once I, it was crystal clear to me when I started my career with Allstate that um, my quality work was a lot higher than most of my peers and quite frankly, even most of the people I was working with. My first review ever, um, like annual review, the guy sat me down, he's one of the executives of the company, he said, your quality of work is 15 years beyond what you're currently your current role he said but the problem is people don't like working with you right because i would kind of bowl in a china shop so like how was i before then i was a little bit more of a bowl in a china shop i would just you know i'd get to the point but i I wouldn't be so much in consideration to how it's coming across to others right so what i did is i sought out mentors and leaders that had great soft skills 
and so really that i guess that would be the lesson is if you're you know your podcast is about you guys' early you know corporate days understand where you're deficient and that might be a hard skill like i don't know excel i don't know um vba i don't know macros things like that so there might be some hard skills that you need to acquire and learn and like how to do certain things um i didn't need that and i i recognized that early but what i did need is soft skills i needed okay when people say this what does it actually mean when there's doing this what's the lesson here what are they trying to accomplish and i would have mentors who basically I also think any good mentor relationship uh, generally involves some sort of trade back. Right. Right. So with you guys being younger, it might be that you know something about social media. It may be that you know something about how to do certain technology things that can help. So it doesn't have to be an even one for one. Like I give you one thing, you give me an equal thing back. But you should trade something back. And also it teaches you as the mentee how to pass along lessons to other people. So like that's effective as well. How the game's played. Right, because you should give back. Yeah, right? So yeah. any relationship I've ever had, it's like, okay, you're helping me, so how can I help you? And I would find a way for them. And again, for me, a lot of it was like hard skills. Like I was super quick with Excel. Right. So like these people who are extremely good at social skills and understanding the political landscape and exactly how I'm how to come across to certain people to get effect weren't necessarily the best at running reports. I could snap them out a report that does magic and go, here. Right. And so anytime they'd ask me, it's like, hey, do you think you can help me with this? Absolutely. Because you're giving me more than I could possibly ask for by like talking through scenarios with me. Um, like one of the one of the things that came up recently, too, because I have an office manager now, so now I'm developing leaders. So it's nice. not just I'm developing people, I'm developing leaders now. We talked about, um, I, I said, listen, in our role, you're always going to be the good cop. He's my office manager. So I'm the leader of the agency and he's my office manager. I'm like, listen, I'm good cop. You're bad cop. Or sorry, sorry reverse that. Cop, I'm yeah. bad cop. You're good cop. Yeah, so yeah. I go out and I'll be like, you guys need to get this shit in order. Like you need to be on your time, on your time. Hours, your quotes, your sales, like get that shit in order. Yeah. yeah. I said, you're, I was like, whenever you repeat me, it comes off horribly. I was like, right. you don't do bad cop very well anyway. And again, he's a wonderful guy. Like so nice. Right. I'm like, you don't do bad cop. You're not good at it. So don't try. And Got I didn't it. hire you to be a bad cop. I hired you to be a good cop. And what, it, what I mean by this, too, is you need to take what I do and filter it. He needs that to was, be a good buffer. Right. Well, that was a lesson I was given, too. So, like, one of my early mistakes when I started leading agents, so I, I was out in Maryland and I was leading agents, and um, my boss came in some deliverable and was like, wah, 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 wah. like, get all this taken care of, which he was very much like me. So that's probably why we got along so well. I took that message, filtered it down to my agents. It went over like a lead balloon. Yeah. And agents were pissed at me, like, oh, get off my ass, basically. Yeah. Um, and, I, and so I went up to, it was, his name is Raj, and I was like, that eh, didn't go so well. Like, why do you think? He's like, it's your job to filter what they say down to them. So they get the point of what you need to do, but you need to filter it in such a way that they can digest it. Don't ever pass directly through from your leader down to the agents. Right. I was like, oh, so I gave that lesson to the same guy, to, you know, my office manager. So like, listen, you take what I say and then you make it more digestible. Hey, hey, I see you're a little bit behind. How can I help you? I said, you're the soft approach, the nicer approach, the hey, come to me. I bang the drum so that you can filter it. But then it, the message comes through better. Don't just repeat me. So like, how did I 
I found people who had skills I didn't have and then I listened. Because mm-hmm. that's also a thing I think is wildly unappreciated about my development is my willingness to listen. Because I know I come across as cocky or sure of myself. And then part of that is on purpose. And quite frankly, if you're in sales or if you actually want to move up the corporate ladder, you need to be cocky. Yeah. Cocky to me means you believe more in yourself than you reasonably should. That's what cockiness is. Right. So like you've never done this before. Why do you think that that you'd be effective at that? That takes a little bit of a cocky attitude to be like, no, I I can figure it out. That's cocky. The right right? dose of delusion. A little cocky. Right. A little delusion. Right. Arrogance is different. Arrogance is I'm better than you. You're not as good as me. You don't have as much human value. That's a poison in any amount. That's toxic in any amount. So whereas I'll accept. you are, though? If you're arrogant? Not saying in like any personal context, but what if the situation lands to be that you are just better than your peers? Because I'm sure you sat there when you were working your job. If you were working, you know, producing deliverables that are 15 years right. better than your peers, I'm sure you sat there after you heard that. You can't tell me not once you were like, I'm better than all of these people. Um, so I can. And here's how. You got to find that you, what, do th- what do they do that's better than you? Right. So what did I just say on earlier? Like my mentors I had could run circles around me in soft skills. Right. So even though my hard skills were were far above, and again, even at my age, right? So like, yeah, you can be talented, but I found things that they did that I just, I was like, man, you're so much better at like, you know, greasing the wheels and making things happen than me. So being better in one area doesn't make me a better human than you. It doesn't make right. me a better corporate employee than you. Right. Right. I. So how do you get around that? You lose the arrogance as quickly as you can would be my advice, because the people you're talking to, even the people you... Yeah, there's certain people I didn't respect for their work ethic and just didn't care. Like apathy is really hard for me to relate to you. Sure. Um, I don't. It's just not how I'm wired. I being apathetic is just not how I'm wired. Right. But they have something you don't have. And so if you can find that and appreciate that about them, you won't feel like you're better than them. You may know that, hey, I'm more equipped for this job or this deliverable, but it doesn't mean I have more human value than you. No, that, that that's sense. that's so fair. Yeah, that's so fair. And the more that I actually take that and you start noticing i think when you start thinking in that frame of mindset you start noticing things that you start noticing things about people that you once would maybe you know in a different life or in a different context would say you know at this person but then you start to notice things you wouldn't have noticed before oh they're better than if i really objectively sat down and looked they're better at running that report or whatever it is than i am you know, mm-hmm. and I think you're right where it's just like if you really just take the piece that you're lacking out of everybody, you you will get better in the end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they may even do something like they care about people more than you. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, man, I really should probably adopt that because it probably would make people would make the way I come across to people more digestible to them where they want to follow me. Right. Because right. it doesn't matter how good you are if people don't want to work with you, which was one of the feedback again in my first report. I mean, this is 12 years ago now, but in my first annual review, it's like, hey, people don't want to work with you because of the way you come across. And I was like, oh, well, I don't like that. Like, it doesn't matter how talented you are if nobody wants to work with you. Got it. Right. How self-aware were you at the beginning, though, when you first started getting those comments? Were you kind of pissed? That, like, did, did they make you feel um, inadequate in a certain way? Or oh, at- God, yes. Okay. <laughs> And then over time, you just started deciding, okay, I need to work on these things because clearly there's like a barrier here that I'm not seeing. So there's what? There's those, if, you, if you're in enough corporate training, you'll get the, uh, you have your known, 
what you're good at and you know it. There's what you're good at and you don't know. There's what you're bad at and you and you know. And then there's what you're bad at and what you don't know. Right. And the last one is what they call your blind spots. Right. right? Yep. So pretty much what you want to do is eliminate as many blind spots as you can. Hmm. So 22, I heard that and I was like, eh, I don't like that. And I talked through it and got a little bit of development. And it was actually my next year um, when I was in sales. Uh, so I went to Michigan and did sales in an office. And basically... Uh, guy brought me in for my annual review he's like all right sit down you can read that if you want i just put whatever i needed to put in there to get the, the report done i don't want to have your negative things affect your career going forward so i'm giving you a better than expected which is the best you could get he's like but uh we're gonna spend the next 45 minutes talking about all the things i didn't put in a report and basically chewed my ass out for 45 minutes mm -hmm. right you you come across like this you you know uh, i think it was you come across as you're more important or that um, the things you're working on is more important than what they're doing. You know, you push everybody and you don't really realize how you come across. So what I started doing, and actually one of the comments too, which I thought was hilarious was, uh, looking back on it as hilarious, was uh, you're too self-effacing. So he's like, you're too willing to say what you're doing wrong. And I was like, <laughs> you're saying that that's a bad thing. And so what, what happened was, I, like I walked out of the meeting and I was like, I started approaching people a little differently. So now we basically moved some of my blind spots to a known negative. Right. Right. I know how I'm coming across to people and how it's negative. By the way, when you get somebody to tell you the truth, you should probably listen. Right. Yeah. So if they tell you it's a blind spot and they're telling it's a problem, um, I've heard other people say it's like you need to take in the information. And it's not that you just believe everything negative people say about you, but you need to um, synthesize it, think through it, filter it, see if it's true. Right. And if it is, keep it and do something about it. If it's not, throw it away. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are certainly things people say about me that just don't have any basis in reality. Sure. So I'm not going to accept those or work on those because it just, you know, your delusion doesn't have to be my reality. Right. But on that, I was go up to people. And I was like, they, they, they say I'm a little bit uh, pushy when I ask for stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, we know. I'm like, OK. Oh, you know, yeah. Right. OK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was like, well, I'm not trying to come across this way, but apparently I come across this way. And they're like, yeah, we know. I was like, wait a minute. So the thing that I'm embarrassed about that now I think is, oh, I know and nobody else knows. Everybody knows. Yeah. And I was like, OK, so how did I get like better on it? And like, how did it like I just started um, accepting the idea that everything I'm deficient and everything I'm weak at that everybody actually already knows. So I'm not hiding anything. And so what happened was Man, I would go hard. to people. Yeah, that, that hits hard. That, yeah. And that, so I would go to people and I'd be yeah. like, hey, listen, I know I'm not I'm not I'm not coming across the right way in this. This is what I'm trying to do. Could you give me a little bit of wiggle room as I try to grow through this and work through this? I'm aware of how it is. I'm so I'm trying to address it. People gave me a lot of slack for that then. So then they're like, okay, he he knows. All right, so yeah, let me help him. Let me let me see what I can do. And part of the thing is you have to keep growing, right? It's not just like I know I'm an asshole and then you keep doing the thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So you literally have to be working on it. But people would they appreciated that I would at least have the self-awareness to to realize. So how self-aware was, was I? Not really. And then I started paying a lot of attention. And and there's some some things too. I'm still not aware of how I come across. I'm I'm sure there's you know leave a, leave a little carnage behind me each time. Yeah, yeah. But you do your best. Yeah. No. No. I mean, really, when you think about it, when you sit down with yourself, that's really all you can ask for. You know what I mean? But the the thing it, it dives into that question is what you taught me was. What I thought was my best was not my best. And what a lot of people I know say is their best is not their best. That was the part that really fucked my head, to be honest with you. No, it did, because it's like when you say 
I tried my best. Part of you believes it. Like part of me believed anytime I may have produced something like trash to you and been like, oh, but I tried. I believed that to a degree, but then slowly you realize what trying really means. And it's like, that that's the part that I, with, with, and I saw that when you were training even your other employees, especially your sales, people doing sales for you. And I know that you were hard on that. Number one, sales is the driver of the business, right? Like naturally you want, if you want anybody to be a killer in your business, hope it be your salespeople, right? But even with them, it was like, there's that Michael Jordan thing where it's like constantly, constantly challenging you, hmm. you know? And I think the fact that you've been able to kind of hone that in is so hard that, and I say that because there are too many people that just don't fix their flaws at all. And they just live for 30 years and, and don't fix it. And that can be okay. It's you, you want to be able to push the people as much as they want to be pushed, right. right? Because if they don't want to be pushed, then all amount of pushing you're going to do is not going to be, um, it's not going to help them. It's actually going to harm them. So like we were talking about that earlier, like on the work from home stuff that like, I know that there's certain employees of mine that probably work about four hours out of an eight hour day. I, I know that. I, it's, there's no way you can convince me otherwise. Right. But if you're giving your, if you're getting your sales results and you're getting your, uh, work done, quite frankly, um, it's hard for me to see your potential and see how it could be better if you simply gave a full effort. It, it is hard. Um, but you have to sometimes back off because it's what they want. It's what makes them happy. And so it's not my job to live their life for them or to necessarily maximize them. It's only if they want to be maximized. Like Shiv, you want to be maximized. I've got certain people who work for me that want to be pushed. Yeah. And here's the fun part. When you start getting into leadership, there's plenty of people who say they want to be pushed. They don't. And as soon as you push them, they go, whoa, what are you doing? I don't it's like, listen, <laughs> I thought you said you weren't a beautiful snowflake that, you know, you could actually, you know. Take the criticism. Yeah. yeah it's like, or you're doing everything you think. And like, I always like to remind people that Phil Jackson was, Michael Jordan needed Phil Jackson. Yeah. Right. So as good as Michael Jordan was, he needed somebody who had a 30,000 foot view and go, hey, you need to do X, Y and Z differently. It's not that Michael Jordan couldn't be coach. It's just like you damn well better add value, first of all. Right. So you better not just be coming with generic stuff. But it's like when I'm talking to like, you know, my top salesperson, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting in all this effort. I'm doing all this time. It's like you need to change X, Y and Z. What, what do you mean? It's like you got to trust me. X, Y and Z. So like there's certain people who want to be pushed, but certain people don't. They're like, right. hey, listen. 80% of my potential is all I really want to give to you because the, the extra 20%, I mean, if you guys haven't noticed this too, in your own career, everybody loves to, or at least what I found, all the driven people out there want to, they end at about 95%. They'll work their tail off, they'll work extra hours, they'll even develop themselves. It's an extra little 5% that puts you there at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday that they're unwilling to do that actually separates you if you want to get to that next level. You'll find that it's very crowded until the final 5%, right? right. So it's, they have to want to be pushed and you have to understand that your standards may be different than what theirs are. Yeah. So there are certain things that like coming up in my career, like I would always, I'd say yes to everything. I would take every development opportunity. You told me to do a job, I'd say yes. Um, was it Russell Brand, Russell Brand for uh, Virgin said, um, whenever you're presented with an opportunity, always say yes. And then figure it out later. Right. Like even if you don't know how to do it, figure it out later. So you're not denying opportunities for your growth. Like you may have no idea how you're going to accomplish it. Just say yes and you'll figure it out. Right. 
That's something I definitely struggle with for sure at the, at the point I'm at. Like if someone were to give me something I didn't know, I don't know if I'd be willing enough to jump in and, and, and go all the way and do that. So no, that's, that's fair. That's where yeah. the crazy amount of growth happens. Yeah, for sure. No, that's definitely something I could focus on and work on uh, going forward. But it's always podcast. after. It's always after. And, it, and it's not just with Nick. It's obviously in my job, I get thrown a bunch of stuff that I've never, ever done before. And it's like, how am I going to do this? And it's not until afterwards where I'm like, that was crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in a good way where you're like, you know, uh, you really grow from that. But I want, what I wanted to get into too was... There was a point in your career, right, where you really dove in and make, made a decision that you wanted to run your own agency and you wanted to play this game and you're in this game for, you know, when you decide you want to run your own agency, you're not, hey, I'm going to do this for like five years and then like go to California. No, like we're in this. You're in this. So when, when did that click? When did you really make that decision? And then how did that process actually happen of starting the business? Um, so there's a couple different places. So in the leadership development program, I remember it was the spring of my first year that I, uh, we were asked what we want to do for our second role. And like, you should start thinking about where you want to go for your career. And I remember, cause I work with salespeople and I was like, man, all the important decisions, all the important people, all the most important goals of the business are around sales. And I was like, Hey, I want to swim with the big fish. Cause why not? That sounds fun. Like yeah. I, I would like for my work to matter. I would like, and I, and I did enjoy sales. So it's, it's funny too. Cause I was also told uh, I'm a finance uh, major. I have an econ minor. I'm very um, smart about things. I know how to deal with numbers. And so when I told people, I was like, Hey, I also can do sales. Cause that was my background coming up. I was working at uh, different banks of personal banking and stuff like that. And I was really good at selling. And uh, I was like, I think I can do sales and bring numbers into it. I was told multiple times that I was wrong and that salespeople don't care about numbers. Um, so part of that was realizing in the corporate world. So I didn't immediately want to run an agency. Um, but in the corporate world, when I was coming up, it was like, hey, I think that there's a benefit here. I think I can do something that nobody else can. I can synthesize sales and numbers. Because, by the way, salespeople, like numbers are meaningless. And so you guys, you, you're both accountants. No, no, I am. No, he uh, is. And what do you do? Uh, I'm in the, I'm, ba I was an Ole Miss major, but I'm transitioning into finance now. Cool. Yeah. So everybody says that, um, salespeople don't like numbers. You're right. Salespeople hate numbers. They're stupid. They, they do nothing for them, but you know what's invaluable to salespeople data, like actual information. Data is meaningless. Information is invaluable. Right. And so it wasn't just that I could produce data, it was that I could actually use it to make decisions about yours. So like one of the fun things I would do is like I, I made like a quotes versus sales graph. I did a 12-week mover and I would basically plot out on a graph. And so they'd have these wild spikes up in quotes and then dips and spikes and dips. And then their sales would be basically one week lag of spike, dip, spike, dip. I said, you know what this is? I don't have any sales, so I quote my ass off. Then I make a bunch of sales, and while doing that, I don't quote. And then I realize I'm a terrible salesperson. I have to quote my ass off, and then I make sales. And then it's like, you know what this also is? It's anxiety. You feel anxious about your numbers, right? Yeah, I do. I was like, you need to make a commitment. So each time, even though you're getting sales, you need to immediately move on, not pat yourself on the back, and immediately get back on the phone and try to get more quotes. And so what happens, you think it would flatline, but it actually goes up. And so then I would work with them on how to actually do that, right? So now I, had, I, didn't, I didn't just show them data. It's like, hey, look at your numbers. Have a great day. It was like, here's what you can do with that. And it would improve their sales. Well, you also told them the story behind their data. 
Right. Like, like, do you ever, and it's like, do you ever think about why the graph is moving the way that the graph is? And most people don't do that. Right. And even them, if, if you present them the information, here's your raw data, have a great day. They're never going to come up with that. Most people are not going to analyze and go, oh, I bet you well, that's what it is. had a great July. Like, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. they're going to look at it. It's like, yeah. well, February sucked and July was, you know, well, in my world, July sucks. June was amazing. July sucks. Right. I'm just randomly at chance. Like, no, I can tell you exactly what's going on here. So again, it's the information. How do you interpret that? How do you do something with it? Right. Right. And so what was happening was uh, people were actually getting results out of that. So here's so all that has a way that it dovetails into running the agency. So I remember it was like September of 2016. Yeah, it would have been 2016. They came back and they announced that they were making some major changes to how the um, agencies would work, how they would start up. And it was going to make my life more difficult. It's the too long, didn't read version of it. And so I called up my wife, who's a way better person than me. Anybody who thinks they like me, uh, I call my wife my better two-thirds because if you even think you like me, you'll love my wife. So gotcha. she's just a way better person. Um, I called her up and I was like, hey, um, they're making these changes. And I explained to her what was going on. And she goes, so what do we do? I was like, well, way I figure it, we can uh, stick it out, try to figure it out. I'll you know, do what I can to try to figure it out. Um, or we talked about running an agency before this might be the time to do it. And she goes, all right, let's do it. I was like, Whoa. Okay. Hold on. So <laughs> she was in right away. <laughs> well, that's, that's my wife believes in me more than any reasonable human should. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't matter. She just thinks I'll figure it out. If I come up with an idea, I'll figure it out, which again, we've been married over 10 years. So it's, um, you know, truly a best friend, truly a, you know, uh, the best person, uh, for my life. But I was like, okay, we have to financially figure this out. So fast forward, all that kind of stuff. The reason I did it is because I knew that one day, so all the data and taking the information and moving people's results. So even though I was the youngest sales leader in the country for Allstate at the time, which was um, pretty fun. And I definitely vocally said it to multiple people. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, because I was proud of it too. Because yeah. also my, my whole life growing up is people told me I wouldn't amount to much besides crunching numbers in a cube. So all of a sudden I'm having these accolades. And by the way, the funniest thing too, and you guys will find it out when you get promoted finally, is the people who's like, oh, you're just power hungry. You just you just want to do what's, you're not as good as you think you are. Then you get promoted and all of a sudden they're like, I always knew you would be great. I always knew <laughs> yeah. you'd be special. Yeah. I told people there was something special about you. It's like, listen, a week ago you wouldn't return my phone calls. Yeah. And now I got a better title. Kiss my ass. Like <laughs> right. I remember. Right. Like, don't even. So strong loyalty to people who believe, who truly believed in me beforehand, because there, there was plenty of people who did. Anyway, um, I noticed that people's numbers were working, and I was able to take people's results to a higher level because my ideas basically all worked. And so that's really what it came out to. It's like, well, how did I know I wanted to start the agency? It was like, well, all my ideas seem to be working, so why don't I just do it for myself? Cause I'm the rocking chair, right? So if I think I'm as good as I think I am, would I sit on the rocking chair one day and be like, man, I think I could have killed it there, but I just didn't take the risk. I didn't take the opportunity. It's like, uh, well, I, I'm 26. If I fall on my face, there's plenty of time for me to get my career back in order. It's fine. So dang. That, fuck that's, it. That's let's try. Powerful. That's powerful right there though. It's like, well, yeah, you really think about it. If you are as good as you think you are, do it. And then that guy on the rocking chair just wouldn't exist. Yeah. That, that, that like I could have guy in his 60s doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be that guy. Right? Or that. Yes. I right. don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be sitting there going like, yeah, I could have. Like, <laughs> okay, bud. Great. Yeah, you say that. <laughs> right. 
So, yeah, I mean, it's taking the risk. I mean, I was making, you know, at the time, just under $100,000 a year, which is kind of, uh, I mean, I, I've talked to plain people. It's the gold standard still, right? So if you say you make hundred grand a year, you've made it, right? Yeah, right. So, this, this was, you were making hundred k a year prior to starting Yeah, 2016. Got it. And okay. technically speaking, I only made 95 grand, so I didn't actually make okay. over 100000 till I till I actually opened up the agency. So Got it. it was uh, funny on that. But anyway, um, I just wondered what would happen. And so, yeah, we, we ended up starting it up and, you know, we ended up um, taking the risk. And then, again, I had to put my work ethic where my mouth was, right? So it was, um, how did I know I wanted to start it up? It's like, well, I already knew all of my ideas worked. So I always, like, told people, like, I won Rookie of the Year my with Allstate for my region, for my little area. Yeah. And uh, I said, it's not really fair because I cheated. I'm like, what? And I'm like, I know. I'm trying to get that reaction out of you. And I was like, I cheated because I already knew everything about our systems, how things work, how I should be doing things, how I should be running an agency. Cause I've worked with a hundred, 200 agents by now. And then if you count like their staff, I've probably worked with over a thousand people now right. I've seen different things that work and things that don't work. So it cheated because I already knew what I was doing. I wasn't really reps. a rookie. You already had your failed yeah. reps. Already. I wasn't really a rookie or even I watched their failed reps and I was like, don't do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like I knew how to work internet leads. I knew how to, you know, how you needed to make the machine go. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it was that. And yeah, I didn't get into it for a short term. I do plan on this being the last thing that I do, you know, um, regardless, even if uh, for some reason they filter out agents in my world, I'll just go like independent or whatever the case is. So yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah. fine. Um, certainly can't go back to working for people. I'd be bad. The <laughs> no, independence I, of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, was it uh, for the chapter? So we brought a mental health coach uh, on Wednesday um, this last week over to the chapter for them to speak to. And uh, one of the simple joys I love about that is, um, you know, I told, I, I was telling them, I said, um, by being the owner of the business, you have the dichotomy. I said, I can take whatever day off I want and however many days I want off. And the true dichotomy, if you really want to be an effective leader and grow in your career, is the fact that I can take off any day means I can't take off any days. Right, damn. Right? So I can do whatever I want. I said, but it also gives me a privilege that I was like, it's 4.45 and I want to go early so I can have dinner with the coach and talk about stuff that I just left. I didn't ask anybody. I just wasn't at yeah, my computer that's awesome. anymore. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's because amazing. Because in, the, the, in that scheme, I'm king. I can just do what I want. So like that part's fun. So yeah, I, th I think giving up some of that freedom would be difficult. <laughs> Cause yeah. No, 100%. Sorry, boss. Can I go to my daughter's game? Like... Yeah. She really wants me there. It's three o'clock. I'll make up the hours. Like, I can't go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't think anyone could. I mean, yeah, once you're at the spot. When you think about business, though, that's where you want to be. You want mm -hmm. to be a business owner. Well, I mean, yeah, so well, that's part don't. of the reason I went into sales in general. And then, yeah, owning a own business, I wanted the freedom. So, again, generally speaking, in sales, if you're doing your job, nobody cares when you're doing your job. Right. As long as you're doing it. So that was one of the reasons I got into sales initially. And then, yeah, I saw an opportunity and then I did something about it because. The opportunity was there, which, by the way, financially, too. So, again, if if you're trying to start off your career, part of it, um, free financial advice, because you also guys talk about financial stuff. Yeah. So I, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I am securities licensed, so I'm not trying to give, like, stock advice or anything like that. But there is an effective strategy. Number one, always take free money. So when your job offers you a 401k match or a IRA match or whatever, like we do a simple IRA because I'm a small business. But right. if you're in big business, you have 401k. If they offer you 5%, if you put in 5% of your check put in 5% of your check. Right. You so always take free money. I'm willing to go on court and be in front of a judge and say, yes, I do encourage people <laughs> no, to take too. free money. Me too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So always take free money. There's a strategy that somebody told me and I thought it was really effective. So you can find out if this works for you every year. If you get like a 2% raise, 3% raise, 6% raise, whatever you get, 
every single year you get a raise, put one more percent of your paycheck into your 401k or your simple IRA or like whatever you have. So next year it'd be 6%, then 7%, 8%, 9%. All of a sudden you're putting like 10, 12, 15% of your paycheck away. The reason is you've never gotten used to that money. So you don't feel like you've actually lost it. Right. And so what it does is starts helping build up this nest egg. So part of the thing, uh, and also you needed to have $50,000 liquid in order to start up an agency. Mm -hmm. I was able to scrounge together 20, like just from saving and we were spending stupid money on stuff like sushi on a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> right. Like you just didn't need to do. So we were able to scrounge up about $20,000. Um, but the other 31000 or so came from my 401k. Yeah. That was there because I had set myself up in the last couple of years of putting money away and increasing my percentages to where there was, I was no able penalty to pick it on that withdrawal. Oh no, there was absolutely. A penalty. Oh, okay, so you you, you bit that bullet. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and as I talked to like my mentor, who's very much about like saving saving money. In my first year, I called him and I was like, "Hey, this is what I think I'm doing." And I was like, "Yeah, I know you. You know, you're big on retirement and you know putting away money and not being stupid about your money." I'm going to completely cash out my 401k. And he goes, no, that makes sense. And he's like, here's why it makes sense. He's like, you're not using it to buy a car. You're not using it to buy a house. You're using it to invest in yourself. You're just changing the investment from their little portfolio to 100% into you. Yes. And that's what you're doing. And uh, he was right. So the investment um, paid off. Uh, definitely making more money than I did um, as a sales leader, and um, or that money would be making in that. Oh God, yes. <laughs> oh God, yes. Yeah. Well, and again, it's funny too because people like ask me all the time. I have no Bitcoin exposure um, or anything like that, so I'm not like. But people are like, "Oh, why aren't you in Bitcoin? Like, you have extra money, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I could, I could." And like, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, "Well, in terms of my portfolio, technically, 100% of my money is involved in a risky asset, which is owning a business. Yeah. Mm. So I've got enough risk in my portfolio. So no, I haven't bought Bitcoin or anything like that. Fair enough. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I, and again, you have to look at your own portfolio and your own risk tolerance and your own preferences. But um, it's not for everybody. And I was like, I already have a lot of risk in my portfolio. Like now it's less risky and I could probably diversify a little bit more um, because um, in anybody in sales can recognize this too. Commission feels like commission until it feels like salary. You can start predicting your outcomes and how much money you're going to have. Like I can generally tell you what my paychecks will be every single month uh, for the business, even though sales can be variable. I can generally tell you where it's going to land. Well, you'd hope as a good business owner, you could forecast your profits at the end of the day you can yeah you can forecast within a a reasonable certainty we're not saying like hey in march of 2025 what will your monthly revenue be compared to january of 2024 well and part of that too i do think that sometimes people get a little too focused on that and what i mean by that is they lose focus on the here and now and what can you do right now so part of the reason like we in the agency i'm making more money than i ever thought would humanly be possible for myself and so it's far exceeded my financial goals how do we get there I mean, realistically, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I focus on each day, each month, you just work. putting my head down, yeah. making yeah. sure I was doing the right thing, making sure I had the right people in place, making sure they were getting developed. And another thing, if you're ever leading people, I never talk to my team about my numbers, my results, what I need. It's about what your results are and what you need. And then, by the way, as a leader, that means I just need to set up their goals in such a way that if they hit their numbers, my numbers hit hit mine. But like your team doesn't care about your numbers. Right. At, at the end of the day, they don't. You shouldn't expect them to, right? They may want you to succeed and all that kind of stuff, and that's all fine and well. But at the end of the day, the only thing as a leader I should be talking about is their goals, their numbers, their results, what they're taking care of. How can I help you? 
And if you're an effective leader, you'll know that it'll eventually get to you, right? So how did I get to where I'm at? It's like by focusing each day, each moment, each interaction, each transaction on doing the right thing, building something. And then, yeah, it went a little faster than I thought it would. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I think even the, to an extent, the results are a lagging indicator. Yeah. Right? Like those things you just mentioned are, are how you do that. It just eventually, like, the check will hit, right? But for the first however many years, right? I, I, I interned for you in 2019, and you said you started your business in 2017. Yep. Right? Uh, six years, like two days ago. Right. So, oh, damn. Uh, those first two years, those couldn't have been easy. Oh, God, no. <laughs> right? There was no more money than I thought I could have ever no, made. I, pay, I, pay, I paid myself $7,000 total for January 1st to December 31st of 2017 right 7, were you not successful oh wow you know what i mean were you not successful then were you not doing those everything you just mentioned well, then well i know I you mean, were you, right? you can make that opinion like if i was successful or not um just you know based on where you know that it eventually goes um one of the things that i always like to remind people is that if you really want you know it, it is i know you guys talk about gary v here every so often but like the eat shit as long as you can eat dirt as long as you can and then you know reinvest into the business the seven thousand dollars i made was seven thousand dollars i pulled out so i i fired like i was making money but i basically reinvested everything in there so it then allowed me in a position where um i'll say i actually took a rate decrease in the beginning of 2018 that i basically did the math and i said you know i have two employees i need to hire a third which is already going to happen but i was like i should probably hire a fourth I should probably do that. That would probably make sense since we're having a rate decrease. I bet you we can write a bunch of business out of it. And so my wife at the time was like, oh, do you think you can manage four people? By the way, I have 11 people, not including myself now. So I do have an office manager now, but like, it's just funny at the time when I was like, can you manage four people? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. um, because I hadn't cashed out yet. I said, hey, instead of paying myself $30,000 a year and giving myself some sort of resemblance of a salary in 2018, I was like, hey, I'm going to go one more year without doing that. And... Um, then I'm going to hire another person. So in fact, I don't. You, I didn't even put myself on, on a salary until 2020. Bonus. Okay. It, you could pay yourself as you go. Like, right. Oh, I need like the seven thousand. The seven thousand dollars total was not because I put myself on a W two. It was like I need seven thousand like dollars. Yeah. Five hundred here, thousand here, and I would just take the money out, and then mm -hmm. you pay taxes at the end of the year. Yep. Um. But yeah, I didn't put myself on a salary till like 2020. Damn. Like, Damn. It was the first time I put myself on a salary. So you're living pretty frugally though, like throughout those two, three years before you put yourself on a salary. Uh, yeah, right. one, of, one of my favorite stories is in 2017 when we first started. Uh, my wife was still finishing up her work in Baltimore before she moved back home or moved back to Illinois. And she's been working from home even before the pandemic. But um, it was, uh, she had all the furniture and all the stuff. And it was like, we found an apartment and I moved out a little bit early before she was ready. And uh, for like three weeks or so, I was like, well, I need to live in this bare apartment and I had, I went to the clearance section of Walmart, bought these hot pink sheets, made myself a pallet on the floor. If uh, anybody's poor enough to know what that is, it's basically they have the sheets on the carpet and you just kind of sleep on the floor. Damn. Um, I had one bowl, one fork, one spoon that were all on clearance and just didn't do anything. The first time I paid myself, I joked with people, it was like, so Shiv, you might remember I had nice monitors. Yeah, yeah. That was the first time I paid myself because i was like well i have technology dollars they gave me and i was like i can't 
really pay myself, so I'll just buy a nice monitor. So at least I can have something nice. I think I remember wow. that exact conversation. It was because you got technology dollars. It wasn't because you were like, oh, I just want to, I kind of want to buy these nice monitors. And right. Like, well, they it, gave this to me and I have to use it. So let's buy these monitors. Kind of. Yeah. I was like, at least I'll have this. <laughs> it just reminded me of like, that's how my, that's how my family culture is. It's like, if, oh, if you'll give it to me, if like, if I have to use it, like, sure. But if not, then we're just going to keep keep digging this hole mm-hmm. keep well, adding to this well and the other thing on it too is like on the living frugally it's like yeah i mean if you can get if you can be happy on less nice things it's going to help you in the long run oh, oh for sure right yeah. so i don't need a five thousand dollar suit i don't need a i if you guys go look i mean i have a honda civic it's a twenty five thousand dollar car so like yes i understand it's not a super cheap car um but it doesn't have to be that nice i could just because I could go buy a Mercedes or for like a like a Porsche or something like that, I'm not going to. Or a Tesla. Tesla would be cool, but like right. I don't need to spend eighty thousand dollars on a car because it's not going to make me happier. And so sure. I can take that money now and deploy it in other places because it doesn't take that much. Like it's a nice car. It's a reliable car. I love Hondas. Um, so. My That's mom just bought I a have. new Honda. So, yeah, right. she's been Honda since like 2000. Right. So, they're super reliable. They're good cars. They're, you know, it's it's fancy enough. I ha- It's manual transmission, which is something I like. Um, and uh, it's, it just doesn't, I don't need to buy a new car. Yeah. No. And, and if I do buy a new car, I don't need it to be an $80,000 car. Right. So, um, deploying your capital in such a way, it's like, yeah. So, if you can live frugally, like we have a nice house and I, and I enjoy where we live. But I don't have to go buy an eight hundred thousand dollar house because that's what a lot of people do. As soon as they find any amount of success, they have to show it off. Look at this beautiful house I bought. Look at this, and like they don't use three of the rooms. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? Like again, I know it's uh, it's we all listen to Gary Vee, so like that's a thing. But it's true. It truly is a thing. You you will pay attention and see people. I think sure. our context is less buying eight hundred thousand dollar houses at our age, but it's more like buying you know, $500 pants yeah. or right. the, like a new hoodie that's $400. Like, why is a hoodie $400? Like, why are you wearing that? You right. know what I mean? The new watch. And if it stuff. makes you happy, do it. But like, don't sit there and wonder where all your money's going if you have to have designer everything. Right. Like, yeah. it, just, it doesn't have to be that. We're definitely starting to see that right now as yeah, we're all starting we're, we're our corporate journeys. We're an age where like there's enough yeah. people that are hitting those successful, you know, marks where they hit 100K or they hit whatever it mm-hmm. is. And you immediately know, oh, that guy got a raise. Yeah. Right? Yep. You know? But it's like the way you're supposed to do it is like, you know, some of our friends who do it the right way where it's like they have had three raises. You had no clue. Yeah. Because they lived the same way. Mm-hmm. The same apartment with roommates. And those are the people who have all the actual money. Right. And they have all the money stashed away. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. yeah it's... um you don't have to impress your friends. You don't have to um, win now. Um, so again, another thing was, you know, my wife and I decided that we were going to punt our 20s. We didn't go to games like other people went to games. We didn't go to concerts like other people went to concerts. I didn't go on vacations. Other people wanted to go on vacations because I figured I could hustle now. I had no kids. We had no responsibilities besides, you know, spending time with your significant other, which was a priority for me. Um, I will just work as long as I can. And as hard as I can, because it doesn't matter. Like, there's plenty of times, like I, I mentioned in the beginning, is like I knew when the lights shut off at Allstate. Like, it was like 8.26 at night. It was like a weird time. It would, they, that's when they would shut off the lights, right? Because I was there so many times I started paying attention to it. Because, again, all the people went home. But it's like, I got to get this project done. So it just is what it is. The latest I stayed was, I think, 2 in the morning once. Because we, yeah. we had a deliverable that we were going to fly out. And it needed to get done. Right. Got it. Yeah. And yeah. so there was no choice on it. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, as soon as we start making money, it's like, don't live a lifestyle that like, do I have some nicer things? Like, yeah, but like, 
don't just spend all your money because here's the thing. If you remember going back to the thing, an opportunity presented itself, which was opening up the agency that if I had spent every dollar I had and was broke, I couldn't take advantage of the opportunity. Mm. And so you don't know what that's going to look like and what that might mean for you. And quite frankly, some of these people, if you make $80,000 a year and you get bumped up to $100,000 or $120,000 a year, taking that extra $20,000 and yeah, you can, by all means, I'm not saying like you have to sacrifice everything. So like when we got our bonus in 2020, I took $5,000. My wife took $5,000. I bought a giant ass TV because I'm a dude. And that's what we do. <laughs> yep. And she bought a weight room, right? So there was, but that was only a portion of the bonus, right? I was going to say, I know your bonus one was a but, lot more than 10 G. It was. <laughs> right. But that's all we deployed for it. So there was other things like paying down the mortgage, paying down the cars and stuff like that, that like everybody wants to tell me how I should be deploying my capital a little bit differently. But financially, we're in a situation that most of our peers aren't in, which is, again, less debt and all that kind of stuff. So, we had some fun with it, but like it didn't go crazy. I don't need to go buy a $80,000 Mercedes yeah. just because yeah. I can, right? It's for who? Like not for me. I don't, I don't really care. Um, so like you're going to have some fun with it, but like if you took that $20,000 or $40,000, maybe one day you could buy an investment property. Right. And all of a sudden you're making money and then you can deploy that to another one and another one and another one. So you can actually have true financial freedom. So even you don't have to uh, open up a business like I did. Um, you might be able to get it through these little side incomes just because you didn't have to increase a nicer apartment or a nicer house or a nicer car. As soon as you started making more money, you could just keep living that. Or again, even if you don't do any of that, you put more in your retirement accounts, you more put more in savings, you have some buffers. So if shit ever hits the fan, you're safe. Cause I, I, I yeah, I just, no, it I, takes yeah, discipline yeah. and it's hard to do. And most people want to live in the here and now and I'm 20 and I want to go rage and have these parties in Mexico and go bottle service and all that kind of stuff. Cool. It's just we're different. And that's OK. Right. I have to no, do I, but let, let, can we yeah. touch on the side income thing real quick? Because you work with a lot of people in real estate. That's part of your business. Yeah. Right. What would you say that, you know, real estate rental properties, obviously in the right market with the right due diligence let's assume all of those things are, are in play here. Would you say that that is a, is that an avenue that number one, you would, or are you uh, currently looking into? And do you think that is a profitable avenue that someone, you know, around our age can start looking into and start thinking about? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think one of the things, if you're really wanting to start it off earlier is you buy a multi-unit where yeah. you basically have your tenants pay for the additional stuff. Are you guys looking into a multi-unit? I've, I've, I'm right basically, here. this is actually, everything you've said is everything I want to do um, with real estate properties. I've been like, you can ask Shiv, I've been probably doing research for about, I don't know, a year on it. And now I actually just got pre-approved um, a couple weeks ago. So I'm actually on the hunt currently as we speak. And once our lease runs out here, I'll hope, I'll hope to have a duplex um by that yeah. time but and, and and even check in three and four units too because yeah. they can be effective as well for sure don't be like one of our uh friends that i won't say the name uh and lie on your insurance application then wonder why my premium's higher than the place you lied at <laughs> and then i call them out on it and they go well i'm still gonna go with it I'm like don't do that insurance fraud is a real thing don't do it don't commit fraud no no don't yeah do this that. this other competitor allowed him to do it uh, basically what what happened is they said it was like a 2012 building and it's a 1905 building or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm like, so did they do a complete renovation? Because if you completely renovate it, that means gut the walls, gut the electrical, gut the plumbing, gut the new roof, everything. You can actually change the year built to like 
2012, and that's yeah. allowed. That's okay. completely allowed. I'm like, so what did they do? They did a facelift, basically. They went in new cabinets, new counters, <laughs> yeah, and, count. and made everything inside look nice, and it did. But it's like, no, the bones are still 1905, yeah. dude. That's a 1905 house. Like, whether it just is. And I was like, that person's lying. And also, as soon as you have a claim, they're going to say, oh, I didn't tell him that. I just did what he told me to do. And then you're on the hook, which means they'll deny your claim. Right. And because you bad. lied. You yeah. committed fraud. Yeah. And, uh, and the, well, I'm still going to go with them. I'm like, have, have a great fun. day. Yeah, yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Have fun. I didn't get that sale. And I'm not following up with right. that person. Nothing happens to your house. Right. So if, you know, I, I, I won't do things the wrong way to get to be successful. So that's the whole thing. But anyway, so my whole point on that, too. Um, yeah. Can it be... Um, can it be lucrative? Yeah. If you want to start earlier, I do think the multi-unit is the way to go to start earlier because you're living there. Mm -hmm. And also the premiums are lower too, by the way. So if, and uh, you can still get like owner occupied rates with still having tenants. Whereas if you try to do a full rental, not only is it going to be the mortgage rates are going to be higher, but then also um, because it's an investment property and you don't get the tax write-offs of like the homestead exemption, things like that. Um, yeah, it's you get all those positive things, I guess, helping you uh, right away. So, yeah, you can be there for at least a year, then flip it to a completely 100%, then go move into your next place, whether that's another multi-unit or, quite frankly, you just start with that. Um, I do think real estate is a really um, – I think it, it's, a, it's more stable than other investments is probably the best way to word that. So, yeah, I do think that it's something that everybody should, like, consider if you're able um, because yeah, I can put money into Bitcoin. I can put money into investments and stocks and things like that. And there's vol there's volatility there. Mm -hmm. It's really doing what you understand and what you know. Um, I like renewal income, right? So like I'm an insurance agent, right? We get at renewals. So um, effectively getting rent is like renewal income. Yeah. So you get a stable base income coming in every single month. I like the idea of that. Um, I think that makes it easier to retire early, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Because you have sustainable renewable income that has nothing to do with you actually putting in hours of work so i do think it can help people retire a little bit earlier than if you're just busting out your corporate career your whole life yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure so um yeah i i think it's generally if you're able look into it sure but yeah multi-unit would probably help you get it pretty soon so it's funny that you're already doing no that. yeah i love that you no, said the that the second <laughs> you said that it like uh it, light bulb just went off yeah we have we have the best rates for multi-units so make sure you call me when okay you're, definitely will like, and i don't understand why we don't have necessarily the best rates on everything because like just is what it is you can't be up but for some reason on multi-units i'm like the lowest in the market if you live in it got so, it okay yeah so. well i am i am house hacking it so i'll, I'll be living in so Perfect. for sure i'll hit you up and then you know kind of diving into the other part of insurance, you know, mostly like car insurance, right? What's Allstate most known for is car insurance. Yeah, car home, that stuff. So if you were to give advice to, because I hear so many, because I worked for you and I kind of saw part of the, like, why do we need insurance? And mm -hmm. what's the, like, what happens? And I've been in an accident. And so I've kind of gone through that ringer at least once. Having good insurance is important to me. And for context, I don't even have, I don't, I don't go through Nick. For right. my insurance, mm -hmm. right? So this isn't me just because I also make it a habit not to hound my friends about going with me. No, and that's, me. Yeah. and that's the thing. And that's the thing. You never did. I asked once, was like, "Hey, I was thinking about switching insurance." He goes, "Okay, we'll run a quote." And then maybe two weeks later, too, it wasn't like they made the quote. And the next day, it's like, "All right, so are we doing this?" It was like maybe two weeks later, it's like, "Oh, so what did uh, what your parents think about that?" I was like, "Oh, you know, we're gonna go a different route because uh, I have a relative that's an insurance." Uh, same does the same thing you do sure. right and he was like okay <laughs> yeah and that no was it. pressure at all that was it yeah well it's, i just don't think it's really great to 
hound your friends. No, no, it's, no it's not, not at all. But, but my thing is, is like, I've, so I've always had good insurance. And even though, you know, now obviously moved over here, I'm paying for everything myself. I still pay for really good insurance. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people, the far majority of people my age, pay like 30 bucks a month or whatever to progressive or whoever it is because it's like oh well like it's 30 50 bucks a month like what am i gonna need it for and i'm sitting there like you mean the ones where they're on their parents policy still getting a homeowner's discount because their parents have a home and they're listed even though they're living in chicago they're getting it rated as if they live in naperville okay those well that, kind of people that that's also fraud i'm like coded in chicago <laughs> it's, so I'm a, it's a little it's it's hard to say it it's more of a gray area on that one because um, sure. if you're saying this is your temporary residence or my permanent residence, but yeah, you really should be changing the zip code. Whether or not the insurance company will deny the claim is a different thing, but there are a lot of rate pressures. So yeah, I know that correct classification and trying to get like the risk associated directly with the risk at hand. Like you're just more likely to get an accident here in Chicago than you are in Naperville. You just, it just no, is yeah. what it is. It's clearly, yeah. I'm yeah. shooting me parallel parking. I had to jump out of my car twice to make sure I'm like, okay, how much room do I have to push this yeah. back? Well, some yeah. people are less considerate and just ram into the car, right? So like, <laughs> yeah. you're not really getting that situation in Naperville. But, right? but right. okay, so, but aside from Fair. that, we're saying like you're 25, you're paying for your own insurance. You've <laughs> got a 2015, 2016 car, used car. You know, why should you get, uh, or what 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 policy should you really be shooting for? Uh, and you live in Chicago, or what's the benefits of having like full coverage, for instance? Well, so full coverage. Um, usually, when people say that term, they're meaning collision comprehensive and like um, rental car towing things like that. So full coverage can be you can have state minimum for liability, and you can have two fifty five hundred um, for liability. So full coverage is a again usually not you know it's not a it's not what everybody thinks it means. It doesn't mean like oh I don't have to worry about ev everything. So you don't have to be a millionaire to be sued like one. So you can get in a serious accident with somebody. And if they um, if they exhaust your liability limits, you know, like the thing if uh, Shiv, you might remember is like if you have state minimum, which is twenty five thousand mm -hmm. per person, fifty thousand per accident. If you get an offender bender, you're fine. If an ambulance has to show up to your accident, you're probably going to end up being out of pocket. Or they're going to try to settle it or whatever the case is. So maybe you'll be okay. But basically, if an ambulance shows up, you should start being concerned. Or like uh, people like Progressive and, you know, some of the things, you'll call them and you'll tell them, hey, I want to save as much money as I can. What you mean is, well, I want to make the proper trade-offs for that cost versus benefit. What they hear is, yeah, we'll save you money. And so they strip everything that's unnecessary away. And that's what they'll give you. So like you'll have $20,000 in property damage. We can go on the street here and probably point out about eight to ten cars and not even walk down the just from eye view of that are exceeding $20,000. If you total that car, you're not out of pocket. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And like to move it to like $100,000 would be like a dollar a month. Right. Yeah. Right? And so like, did they save you as much as money as they could? Yes, they did. You asked them that. That's what they obliged. But you want to have an agent that can, you know, help you make those considerations. So like one of the things that we do in our office is like somebody just bought a house the other day. One of my, one of my, uh, brother's best friends growing up and you know he knows i do insurance so he so he went through me um which is always grateful when people do that because again i don't hound my friends you don't have to i i do appreciate it, and i do think that i will do more for you because i know you than anybody else will because it actually matters the outcome to me because i have to see you again and right? i think it's also too because people know you'll do such a good job you don't have to ask them for their business they right. already know that because of your reputation exactly so um like I said to him, I said, here's a recommended option. It has claim forgiveness. It has a lower deductible. It has water backup. has sewer line coverage because this guy was buying a house. And I was like, he's like, oh, okay, well, all right. That's that's a price. A little much, you know? yeah. And I was like, hey, but here's a 
low premium option, right? So by the way, if you're in sales, we don't say cheap and expensive because both words basically mean you're not getting the value. So even though I swear in my office, um, cheap and expensive are actual swear words. So we have recommended and we have low premium options. So the recommended option was, and I, I basically posed the question, so similar to what you're asking, uh, well, what do you want the insurance to do? Do you want it to be there for more things or do you want to self-insure more things? Like I can take off the water backup, I can take off the service line, I can, I can take off the claim forgiveness. Um, and we can go with higher deductible. And here it's $600 less. What do you want to do? I was like, it's, it's just, you have to ask the question, sir, what, what do you want your, what do you want it to be there How for How much you? risk do you want to Got do? it. Right. And so for him, it was like, he actually went with the recommended. He's like, yeah, I talked to my wife. We were going to go with the recommended one because it's just more or less outlining what it is. Right. And I'm not going to be the lowest in every deal. And I'm certainly not going to be the highest in every deal. Um, so it just really matters on that perspective. So, but it was giving him those distinct options. So like on the insurance, what should you look for? what do you want to deal with, right? So can it be cheaper if you go to a call center? It might be. Um, but then when you have an accident, like there's plenty of like even FISA members, like um, there's a great example on home. Home is a lot easier to to demonstrate because like I'll have these weird nuances come up. We had a guy um, have two layers of shingles on his roof and the slope got damaged. And so there's a call, there's a coverage called building an ordinance. So I'm not going to make everybody an insurance expert, but just to show the value here. Claims came in, said we're paying for three slopes of the roof, which was that's where the damage was. And they're like, for this, we're going to repair the site. I was like, no, you're going to replace it. They're like, no, we know what ordinance and law does. And I work with a bunch of different places. And I have this little piece of paper that says that I don't have to pay for, like that we're not obligated to replace that slope. I was like, well, I actually called the city the local ordinance, and they're actually sending me an email of exactly the ordinance. So you're going to replace it. And they're like, why are you going against us? Why are you Why are you arguing with us? I was like, well, we follow the law, don't we? Right. Yeah. So I'm not arguing against you. I'm actually trying to get you to simply do what you said you would do, which is to follow the law and follow the local ordinances. And this is an ordinance, and so you need to pay for it. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Send this to your supervisor because we're not debating this. You're paying for this. Yeah. Called up the person a couple of weeks there. I was like, hey, by the way, how that I never heard an update. How'd that go? He's like, they replaced the whole thing. I was like, I know they did. Right? Because it was like it's the value of like going above and beyond and knowing and fighting for you and advocating for you and knowing the right thing and knowing how to push the buttons. And by the way, that's not insulting the claims adjuster, although like plenty of people could take that as that. They're dealing with Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Iowa, multiple states. And so they're trying to get All it. different rules, too. The nuance in the ordinance was a local township yeah. ordinance that's so laser-focused when you think about it. In those states, right, it's probably like a thousand different townships, mm -hmm. right? So this one had a weird nuance that was not consistent with other townships around it that got them paid. Mm -hmm. That's like where it's like, you know, I got that person $5,000. So that's the value add. Where's $5,000 going to show up in your declaration page? Where's $5,000 going to show up? So would you pay a little bit extra for me to like, and by the way, that person didn't have to make those phone calls. You're on a call center. That's you arguing it. That's you calling the township. That's you knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it, the way to impact it, the way that they told you no, and you don't know what you're talking about to say, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Get your supervisor involved, right? It's knowing that, that it's like, it can, that's where it can add value that's not just the price. And quite frankly, a lot of our fraternity brothers go with us because again, they know my reputation. They know I would like do right by them. And I'm not just going to roll over because 
I was told no once. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think that that um, it depends on what you want to ask for. There, are there certain people who don't who only care about price and don't want to hear anything else? Absolutely. And then at that point, go with your insurance, go with your guy, go go with your progressive. Cool. Like, I don't hate you for it. Got it. Um, but if you want some value and you actually have something like, especially when you have a homeowner, like especially when you own a home, there's so many weird nuances of homeowners in, insurance. You should go with an agent there. Because unless you're going to take the time to be an expert, because you got to think about it this way too, that time you're arguing with the adjuster where you really don't know what you're doing, but let's say you even do, the time you're spending on that is time you could have been spending elsewhere. Yeah. And so, how much is your time worth? No, and that and that's a funny thing too. Is one thing I learned indirectly from working with you is you shouldn't be the cheapest. Because one of, you know, objections with any company that is not the cheapest right is what value add do we bring versus the whoever's cheaper right so same thing happened when i got in my accident i made one phone call it ever the whole process was done i paid you know a couple hundred bucks which is my deductible mm -hmm. and three months later because of oh this this part didn't arrive and blah 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 all that stuff all of that and negotiating with the the person that hit me and everything like that all handled Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about anything. I had to take a four-hour exam 30 minutes after my accident, right? If I didn't have that in place already, I would have had to deal with all this other situation. And it's like, I don't have a problem negotiating with people. I just don't want to because I want to do other stuff. Right. Right. That, and so that, that I think also highlights, you know, if you're at our age and someone just hits you, right, and your car is just screwed now and you need – you're not going to get the money back from the did other. You, did you also argue for lost value on your vehicle? Uh, because it's now in an accident. Didn't do that. See, see, he's not working with me, and he would have gotten that <laughs> advice if he was simply, uh, you know. But that's okay. Yeah, no, I, honestly, no. It was like a thousand dollars. Really? Damn. Probably. At I, least. I also got in an accident in like 21, so that's tough. I had a at I, fault. I mean, they happened. Yeah, it's going to follow fault. you for about three years. Got it. Yeah, my, mine was at fault. Um, and what our rate keeps going down, right? Till we're 25 or 26. Generally speaking, um, your individual rating factor goes down. Um, right now we're in a rate environment where literally name the company they've taken rate increases, um, okay. because my industry is on fire right now. Yeah. Mine went up a little bit. Uh, yeah. So there's, I mean, we could go through that list, but it's like Geico's up 34%. State farm is up 22% and taking another 6.7%. 6.5% coming up soon, which also seems they just had their worst financial year, I believe, of their history. Mm. And so how long they've been around, I think that last year was, if I read correctly, was the worst year they've ever had. Um, and then um, Harvard taking 27%, I think, on February 15th. We've taken rate increases as well. And yes, if you're, yes, What's over 20%. What's the that, though? Inflation and the parts not being there and paying extra because the parts aren't there and it, the yeah. fact that cycle time. So like how long we have to store your vehicle now and how long the rental reimbursement yeah, is going to pay out. Yeah, took me two and a half months. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all going to lead to higher stuff. And fair, and it, yeah. by the way, we're not sugar and eggs. We're metal and wood and things yeah. like components and different things like that are locked up in supply. So yeah, the cost there. And also when you get, if there's medical involved, your medical bills are significantly higher. So the liability payout of like paying out those are significantly higher. That's what's causing all of it. Okay. And again, it's not just us. It's literally every single company um, that there is. Right. And by the way, to go back to what you were saying on the cheap thing too, every single person listening to this, to, to this podcast or listening to it later, there is only 
one low cost provider by definition there can only be one right so almost certainly you work for a company and you use stuff like we could look around this room everything in here isn't the cheapest you could have bought right, right so right, right. it's yeah. it's very rare you're actually interacting with the cheapest the person floor. yeah They're the cheapest person who makes the floor, cheapest person who makes your clothes, or the cheapest person who makes your phone. It's very rare that you are. So you're already making those decisions of value and trading off that value in most cases. That could be a convenience of your time. That could be a convenience of your location. That could be a convenience of the quality. Like we talked about the Honda. There are cheaper cars than the Honda, but I also know that I don't have to usually do that much maintenance to it. Yeah. Right? So that's why I like it. It, Things don't break. And I just, I don't want to trade off my time to be sitting in a body shop or in a mechanic. I have a question specific for you. So I switched um, providers. I'm, I went with Progressive sure. just because they were cheaper, literally for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and my rates went up like $500 from what I paid six months ago yep. and what I pay now. And I wanted to ask like how much of that is actually negotiable and how much of that is just them, like what, what are the excuses that they're gonna give me for that $500 increase? So in the grand scheme of things with insurance, none of it's negotiable. And so that's one of the things to keep off the the line. Like your rates are on file with the Department of Illinois, like with the Department of Insurance in Illinois. So it's not like, oh, this guy called, so I'll knock his rate down. Like you literally can't do that. Got it. Literally cannot do that. Now, what you can do is if you're missing any discounts, that could be a thing, right? One of the things that we've been having conversations with a lot is like your credit could have gotten better. So a lot of people don't understand your credit is a big part of your insurance. And, you know, you guys are young guys. So as it gets, you know, as you age, typically, if, as long as you're paying your bills. <laughs> Flex. Right? I'm close. 823. I'll catch you, Shiv. I'll catch you, Shiv. Yeah. I'm close. I got to give me some time. Yeah, no, 823. That's cool. It's fine. I mean, 760 is cute. That eight eight is what I'm trying to get. Okay. By the way, that's having a mortgage, having a car loan, making those payments. It'll it'll creep above 800. So (laughs) the best thing you can do for your credit is to have a mortgage and then successfully make payments on it. So like it's, it's, there's certain things that like, yeah, it's a little bit unfair, but basically we've never missed a payment. Um, so you could ask them to rerun your reports, see if that's an option, or in their case, they might just rewrite the policy. I don't exactly remember how they work. You can mess with your deductibles. You can mess with your discounts. You can make sure basically everything is in order. So that's where really doing a review comes into play. And like, we've been trying to do those as much as we can. Um, we try to get as many people as we can. It's physically impossible for me to get to everybody. Like we had somebody like leave us. He's like, well, you didn't call me. And it's like, um, one of those uh, other agent companies basically completely reduced all of his coverage. And I was like, listen, if I reduced all the coverage like they did, I'm actually less. So like, but you didn't call me. It's like, well, we sent out emails and we're like, hey, man, you should call us. Do you want to do a review? And also the funny part on that one, by the way, is a sidebar was uh, he changed his phone number. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, no, and that's the I, point. I, I, I couldn't I call would, you anyway. You didn't even, I'd I didn't be have on your the phone, phone with the, these customers, these customers that you're talking about. I would be the first line when I, pick up the phone and I'm like it took me a while to realize that sometimes they just don't want your business like the they they just don't they're not worth the business in a way now I think to your degree there's a lot of room there like you'll deal with some pretty bad people but well well, one of the things I always like to remind myself especially the customer service is one people get emotional about money right so don't take it personally so the most expected obvious thing is you're going to get emotional if you get, um, and you're gonna get a, worked up if you have a rating increase or a denied claim or whatever the case is. So if that's the most expected thing, 
you on the receiving end shouldn't be offended by that or take it personally. Right. 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 And if you, if you sit there and like synthesize that, 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 that can help you on a lot of things in life. Like if you know that this is the outcome, why are you getting mad about it? Yeah. Um, so on money, like we understand that people are going to call in, they're going to be upset. They're not going to be like, Oh, well, thank you so much for helping me pay more for my insurance. Right. Um, so it's, Hey, let's look at everything. Let's go through it. Let's handle it. We can take some, uh, we could take the negative criticism. There's a difference between being upset by the way and being an asshole. Right. So if you're verbally abusing my staff, yeah, that's not going to work. Right. Um, we've had a few people try that and it's like, listen, you should find your insurance elsewhere. If you think that this is how we're going to do it. And generally speaking, just like standing up to bullies, that works. They back off. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's like, listen, I, I don't need this. And I don't I, like, trust me, without your account, I will still make payroll. So if you're so worked up and you think I'm really coming at you personally for this rate increase that I have nothing to do with, then you should find your insurance elsewhere. Like this isn't worth your emotional like investment here. Got it. Um, so I, I, I don't allow people to bully yourself, which very rarely happens. So it's not to be convoluted with people upset because, hey, I'm on a fixed income and this rating crisis is really putting pressure on me. It's not to be convoluted with that. Those are real situations and We're real things. We're talking about true assholes here. This right. Yeah. True, actually, you know, which is very rare. But, um, yeah, it's it's helping people as much as you can. It's, it's working through it. It's trying to help them understand what's going on. So understand the variables, understand what they can do about it, understand the rating factors. And we just try to be as transparent as we can. I can't change the rate. Like I can't, it's not negotiable. So I can't mm -hmm. just magic say, Hey, you get the friends and family discount. I got you. Um, outside of committing fraud, right? Cause there's a lot of, <laughs> I've seen that before. Like we're actually fighting for another client right now that uh, told a competitor that they're, uh, they told us their mileage that they drive a year and that was rating factor. I told this competitor, uh, this competitor put on a low mileage discount. Well, I have employees who used to work for that competitor. And they're like, the only way they got that is if they reported that their mileage are lower or the agent just gave it to them and didn't ask. Yeah. It's like, hey, if you actually fix that, if we lied as well, we'd be the same price. And so it's going back to the customer, like, listen, we're not going to lie for you. They are, though. You should ask them. I suspect it'll change the rate to it's about ours, and then we'd like to keep working with you. Hmm. And so, yeah, there's certain things like that that, like, yeah, you have to go through and understand it because, yeah, I'm, especially in times like now, you're going to see that more. When business is down, we're, whether or not we're in a recession is a... <laughs> Well, it used to be just an, just a fact of like based on the quarters, but now I guess it's a debate. So you're going to see people when they're more desperate for business, cutting corners, cheating a little bit. Yeah, definitely lesson learned for me, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, for them, just literally call them up and just say, hey, which, by the way, I'm not the person to badmouth my competitors. I mean, again, there's um, State Farm's great, Progressive great, Geico's great, USA's great for all their own reasons. Um, it's just um, we do things differently. And so we think we can help. And we think we can add value that makes it effective. But for yours, yeah, just call them up and say, hey, can we rerun the quote? Can we look at it? Can we Got look it. at my discounts? Can we look at all this? And maybe instead of $500, it might be 300 right? Which I'm not saying you have to be happy about 50 bucks a month higher, but maybe it'll make the blow a little bit less, yeah. right? So, and that's, and that's some of the things that you have to look at. So some of it is inflation. Some of it is um, cost of things going on. I mean, insurance companies, you can look it up. It's been yeah. record losses, like no, I know it's... when I when we've had our rate increases. Like I looked up our financials, I was like, "All right, it makes sense." Like <laughs> there's certain things that like, "Oh, well, they're being greedy." It's like go look at their financial results, and like just because you haven't gotten an accident, doesn't mean your pool hasn't like again like State Farm just lost like twelve billion dollars on like net income lost twelve billion dollars. That means all investments, everything. And I think the auto side was worse. It was like 
you know, I, I don't want to misspeak the numbers, but it was higher. Mm. It's like, well, they're not in this to lose money. It's like they have to increase it because they're getting crushed. And I get that they're a huge company, but you can't just keep losing $12 billion and be like, whatever. No, some people are, who have power are not going to be okay with that. <laughs> well, just anybody would, right? Nobody in this, nobody running a business from a baker to a barbershop to a massive company like State Farm or Allstate or whatever is not in it to lose money. Right. Even non-for-profits are not in it to lose money. They're in it to yeah. exceed their money. And if they can do that, then they'll reinvest it or do whatever they can. Donate, it. But like, you yeah. can't run a business in the red. Mm -hmm. You just can't. Mm -hmm. So it's not great unless for the consumer. Yeah, then you can. Yeah, sorry. Unless you have angel angel investors propping like you up until one day. of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, one of the other final things I want to talk to you about was, in, it's not necessarily, you know, what's FISA done for you, but more... What made you want to become chapter advisor? And the the greater question is what made you stay after all of the crap you've been through and seen? Well, so, all right. So to hit the chapter advisor thing, one, um, at the time, uh, most people didn't want to step up and do it. So I was local. I like helping people. Like one of the things I do like is, you know, if, if your why is, if your why doesn't make you cry, it's not your why kind of deal. So like my why is like one day if I die, um, hopefully long, now I have a daughter, so I got to stay alive for her. So um, hopefully long down the road, I'd like people to come to my funeral and basically be able to tell everybody how I made their life better by being in it. Like that's my why. Mm. So some of that is mentoring and guidance and giving lessons and giving back. Um, so the chapter advisor is really an extension of that. It's mentoring people. It's giving people advice and things like that. Like one of the things I've said to people is like, hey, you know, you're going to have fun on your own in college. Mine is to start helping you realize that this is a little college bubble and to pull you out of that bubble, like that the real world's not going to be as kind, or at least they'll say they're that kind, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, it's giving good guidance and mentorship. Um, besides some hiccups, I think when I first started, um, there hasn't been anything tragically bad um, no nothing tragically bad no. uh but no, no. just more than like of you know it's just I, around I, I know it took, advice it took a while though that there's a level of dedication there though you For know sure. on, a, on a on a monday tuesday night you're driving an hour hour sure. 20 minutes out to DeKalb, illinois you know it's not like there's a really cool bar on a monday night you can go out to after and i know well, even not, if it is, I, know, I know that's not your thing <laughs> yeah. but i know that's not your thing there's but there's not like there's not much to do out there you're really sure. making a special trip out there oh absolutely know? for an hour and yeah what, it's what, it's not on the way and it's not on the what, way what i'll add to what shiv's saying too is you've also been doing it in a time when greek life has steadily been just declining like the challenge well. the challenge yeah, of like, running a fraternity have constantly over <laughs> all of the years yeah. the chapter advisor gotten harder and harder yeah yeah so um it's been better since COVID. Um, it got hard around COVID, right? So you couldn't run events and, you know, there's all kinds of complications that came with that. But like, they're actually doing a little bit better now. Um, it's about changing the the pitch and the product and evolving it. So just like, hey, why are we recruiting people? Why should you join? Why should it matter to you? Um, it's helping them go, like get their messaging correct. I mean, I'm in sales too, right? So it's probably right place, right time to actually have a salesperson actually as your advisor and just be like, hey, yeah, you should position it like this. Um, I do it because I want to help, like I said. So one of the speeches I, I like to give to people is like, um, and my predecessor liked to hang out with people more and would play video games and things like that. And I, I remember one of the speeches, and I say it now every single year, is, hey, guys, just as a reminder, um, I'm not your friend. I have no interest in hanging out with you. 
I like my wife better than you. And quite frankly, now I say I like my daughter better than you because my daughter's amazing. I remember this. Uh, I remember this speech. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> right. But it's also about setting expectations the right way, right? So like, hey, do you remember? Like, I'm your big brother. Yeah. Which means I love you. I want what's best for you. I'm going to do what I can to help you. But we're not going to hang out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just remember, like, I'm not here to drink beer with you. I'm not here to play video games with you. I'm here to give you guidance. I'm here. This is my role. And also, like, I don't have to say it anymore because now people know this. Like, I don't need a resume builder. Yeah. Yeah. And I certainly don't get paid for this. So if you're going to think that I'm doing anything else besides helping you, you're completely missing the point and you're just being in your own little delusional self. Like, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Random member of the chapter, because you didn't like that I told you you should pay your dues. You know, yeah, right. pay your fucking dues <laughs> yeah. or pay your rent because in the real guys. world, in the real world, they would just, you would just kick your evicted. ass out. Yeah, you can't miss six months of rent payments. So yeah. sorry, I'm the bad guy who reminds you you have to pay rent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like, um, I'm not doing this because like you're not that important. Yeah. And like you need to have that memory sometimes like me telling you that it's you don't have to like me for it, but it's just the truth. And so you need to get over it. Right. Um it's actually been easier because, and again, I stay because I like mentoring kids and I like doing the right thing. And quite frankly, again, they've stayed out of trouble for the most part. There's, yeah. you know, little things that we have to deal with here and there. Always. Um, there are certain non-negotiables if they ever did something extremely illegal, which we don't even have to get into. Right. They, they know that I would literally drop my key and be like, you're on your own because I don't support this. But they've never tested that, right? So that's been a good thing. Um, what what FISI has done for me is it allowed me to develop as a leader and to, again, just similar, like I said, when I was 22 and I realized, hey, I need to develop soft skills. Like when I was in college, I, I graduated with a 3.97 GPA, which means that I got one B in college. Mm-hmm. And it was management uh, law. So anybody. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> D-Way. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't go to class and then I earned that B. Um, but at any rate. We the, didn't either. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, uh, what was it? I realized it was like, Hey, I, I could le- use leadership development, soft skills development. Like there's things like in my first committee of being scholarship head or academics head, however you want to say it. Um, I was really hard on people. I tried the asshole route, didn't, didn't go over very effectively. So I learned, okay, that's not a good approach. And so I got to learn different things and, and work on projects and start developing some of the, oh, I've got free reign of this project. I can add to it. I can do more. Like there's no limitations of what I can do. And so it, Allowed me to get those mistakes out from 18 to 22, or I, I guess it would have been 19 to 22 because I grad, I joined my second semester. So from age 19 to 22, it allowed me to get those mistakes out of the way before I joined corporate America. And there's all kinds of things I looked at. and was like, I learned how to dodge that mistake yeah. already. So yeah. you got to make those mistakes. And it's something I try to remind the kids of now. Like they're trying to balance their budget right now and trying to, you know, get ahead on their national dues. And like they're not following up on certain things. I'm like, see, you're making this mistake now, which it doesn't really matter. In your job, that could get you fired. No, that matters. Yeah. Right? So, And I remember I called you like not long after I became vice president, and I was kind of just confused because I was like, I don't really know. I was more nervous mm-hmm. that I was going to do a bad job. And you were like, Shiv, your job is to screw up. And I was like, huh? <laughs> you know? And I was I didn't understand what you meant. And even then, you were like, get your mistakes out now. And I didn't understand what that meant then either. And then now, you know, starting to work and stuff, I was like... Oh, you know, you, there's so much room to just make mistakes, which is like, that's, which is going to happen, right? On anybody's journey, you're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. It's just, there's certain parts where if you make that mistake too late, there is way more gravity to that mistake than making it when you're 18, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're 18, everyone forgets. 
they're like, oh yeah, you like that guy did a bad job. That's the wor- that's the worst it is, right? It or you get fired. I mean, quite frankly, like you well, can get fired, but it's also at low stakes where you can just go get another well, entry level yeah, job. And it's like, what what's the worst that actually happened to you because of that? If you're you know thirty two, as long as you're not doing something illegal, just so we're clear too. That's, yeah, yeah. That, no, no, I no, mean like sure. a genuine. So that's advice I have. I was like, I can fix of, anything you do unless you're acting with something illegal. Then I can't help you, nor will I help you. Yeah. Right, right, right. Aside from illegal business at 32 you make a similar mistake and it's like you will get fired and now you have mm-hmm. like a car and a mortgage and yeah all that stuff mm-hmm. yeah um if you're not pressing yourself hard enough that you are in a position to make mistakes and you're not trying hard enough or you're playing too safe right so that's in terms of like what we were talking about earlier maximizing your potential maximizing who you can become by by definition you're going to have to make mistakes to find out what those are and so it's changing your mindset about what failure is and about what um, the mistakes mean and what it means about you. And in a lot of, especially, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, it's reminding you that it doesn't mean anything. You might have been the most applauded person in your high school. You might have been a star athlete. You might not have been. None of it matters. You make a mistake. It's because you're human and you're going to make mistakes. And thank you for trying because that means you're actually doing something that's pushing you outside your standard, what you already know. So like if you already know how to run it perfectly, you should have started years before. Right. Right. So it's trying to help, you know, a lot of these kids change the definition away of like, hey, do it a little differently. Like I'm a way better business owner than I was six years ago. It's not even close. I can run circles around myself and I don't make the same mistakes, but that's because I learned from the mistakes. It's not just... You have to make the mistakes to learn from them because I can give you all the book knowledge in the world, but sometimes you need to touch the hot stove and go, oh, that's why. Yeah, 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 definitely. Right? Mm -hmm. Or like you get in your career now and you're like, oh, that's why he was telling me to read books because I would have been better positioned for that moment, Moment. specific moment. And I, I, um, you can make a mistake by not making any choice. And that's what people like need to understand as well. Right. Ah. So because you were ill-equipped, you may not have made a blatant mistake, but because you were ill-equipped to do the right thing in the right moment that could have gotten you massive success. That's also a mistake. That's a mistake. Yeah. I love uh, Napoleon history. I heard you guys talking about documentaries on the stuff I was watching. So I love Napoleon history. It's one of my favorite things. We were talking about the uh, Battle of Borondino. Um, So it was in the Russian campaign. It's actually the bloodiest war that Napoleon had. Long story short, he wins the day. Right. So we can skip forward how he did it. He had a choice. He could pursue with his elite military, his elite guard, his top soldiers, he could, who were fresh. He could pursue the enemy and destroy their army. Or he thought that they might battle the next day, so he should keep it in reserve. What do you do? He chose, in, his, in this case, not to pursue the army. So what the army got to do is they got to put a major hit into Napoleon's army, but he also still had his, their army intact. Had they been pursued, it would have destroyed the army. Okay. And there wouldn't have been any Russian uh, military to, to oppose them. He would have probably won the entire Russian campaign. That one choice and that one moment to hold back his reserves versus pursue. Historians look at that and say, had he made the right choice there, he probably wins the Russian campaign. And then who knows well, what yeah, happens. Right. Damn. Yeah. Right. So That's crazy. It's, it's little moments that you, you know. You don't know if you're, he didn't make a blunder in this sense of like he did it with like going to Moscow and like having all that. Again, I'm a huge Napoleon. I don't want to usurp the whole podcast on this. It wasn't a mistake, but it was. Yeah. Because he didn't know to do the right thing. Yeah. So, right. So like you guys have, so people have to realize that sometimes um, when you don't make a decision or you take the safe route, that can be a mistake as well. It just may not, you may not see it the same way. You know, the British had planned for him to 
to escape that island and come back and take over and everything. That was all a that was they all. probably assume. Well, they were trying not to make a martyr of him by yeah. like killing him. So yeah, but th- that whole like seed planning of that th- that went like all the way back. Like they knew they knew that he was going to escape. They suspected and- they they weren't ready exactly for how quickly he did it and raised an army so quickly because they figured that the French would still hate him. But um, you know he's he was a a very popular person. Yeah, yeah. For so sure. if you know, actually, when he came back from that, the French military uh, confronted him. Did you know this when he came back from? Uh, what, what that was Saint, the Saint Helena was the first one. I, I have to look, look that it up. up. It, yeah. But anyway, are you gonna look it up now? That's I'm filming. But yeah, <laughs> all right. Anyway, I got it. Um, so you can look up the first island he was at. The French military confronted him and was supposed to arrest him. Instead, he talked to him. It was like you know, basically, I'm Napoleon. Ah, baby. <laughs> yeah. And they went, yeah, we like this guy better. And again, the guys sent to arrest him basically turned turned around mm-hmm. and. They're like, nope, he's back. No, his, his, that whole thing is fascinating. Looks like he was sent to the Mediterranean island of Elba. Yeah, was that the first or the second one? This was... I think it was the first one, and then the second one was St. Helena or something, because they put him way off of Africa now. Like, yeah, yep, yeah. Way back Correct. St. Helena was yeah. the second. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Wrap? Yeah, I'm good. Nick, thanks a lot for coming on. I know Shiv had... Uh, no, Final I kind of got it out at the beginning, at the beginning. really. Okay. I just, you know, I and we we've had multiple conversations, you know, since uh, I've worked for you. Just, and I think this podcast really, un, people can understand why I admire you in a way, like so much, uh, and everything you've done. So, Champion Insurance, okay. get your uh, <laughs> yeah. get your homeowners insurance, get yep. your car insurance. I appreciate and, that. And uh, we will we will see you guys next week. Yeah, we will see you guys next week. Uh, make sure you follow, interact with the pages. Shetty Show, The Shetty Show. Uh, Make sure you follow us on TikTok, Instagram. We will be posting there more. And thanks again, Nick. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.